What's poppin' everybody? This is Logan Murdoch, and I'm here with my co-host for the Real Ones Podcast on the Ringer NBA show, the incomparable, the realist, the man who invented the pregame Red Bull snow cone, Raja Bell. Thank you, Logan. You're far too kind, sir. Did you know that the Ringer NBA show feed now has six podcasts a week? Six. Every Sunday, Big Waz has a different guest from the NBA world on weekends with Waz. And you can find me and Raja every Monday and Thursday on Real Ones, where we cover all the most interesting NBA storylines. On Tuesdays, J. Kyle Mann and Jonathan Charks discuss up-and-coming talent in college basketball and the NBA. And on Wednesdays, you can hear Justin Verrier, Rob Mahoney, and Big Waz discuss any and everything going on in the world of hoops. Man, and on Friday, Chris Ryan and Searich Sohi ask the big questions on the answer. So head over to the Ringer NBA Show's Spotify page and take a listen. There's so much to dive into. And while you're there, just go ahead and give us a follow too. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Hey, thank you for listening to The Void. Today, I'm bringing on my friend and ringer co-worker, Logan Murdoch, to talk about the NBA draft and spin it forward, looking at the rest of the offseason with some lingering questions that didn't pan out on draft night. If you want to hear some analysis of the draft itself with all 30 picks in the first round, check out the Ringer NBA draft guide. I did draft grades in there. And also you can check out the Bill Simmons podcast. We had a four-parter with me, Ryan Russillo, Chris Ryan, Steve Cerruti, all going on with Bill for a lot of conversation about the draft. Today, though, bringing on Logan Murdoch onto the void. What's going on, Logan? I'm ready to... Ball the void. I'm ready to go, man. I'm locked in. Thanks for having me on, bud. Uh, I, I appreciate it, man. I've been on a I've been on a Kid Cudi kick ever since the last pod we did it. I made that little playlist called yeah, Kid yeah. Cudi Void. I've yeah, been yeah. listening to that so often. Yeah, so I listen to it. You got some slaps on there, bro. Man, I got I got to say this. I I think you might actually be right about part three versus part one for Solo Dolo. See, it's just I think it's you might great, be right. <laughs> it's a great little bookend to to, yeah. to the series. And it, it's my favorite, and I, I really didn't really. I, it was hard to admit it, but it's there. It's it's my fave. I, I think you're right. Uh, I've uh, I've really absorbed myself in the, those solo dolos a lot during the solo dolo period of the NBA <laughs> draft season. It's just true. Yes. But very alone. <laughs> 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 but soon summer league around the corner NBA free agency so today what we're going to do Logan is seven lingering questions following the NBA draft let's start off tying this to the draft we saw the Knicks make three trades uh, in total they dealt number 11 Kemba Walker four second round picks got three future firsts they now have 16 million dollars in cap space and they can deal the Noel Fournier Rose Reddish or Burks contracts in order to open up more cap space and it seems like all indications are mark stein reported it on his Substack again this morning they're doing this to open cap space for jalen brunson that's bad news in some ways for the mavericks because if they lose brunson if he walks for nothing it means they're up against the luxury tax with few avenues to making improvements and then for the knicks brunson's a good player but all of that for jalen brunson logan 
We saw the Knicks do this on draft night. What does this mean for the future of New York and Dallas? If you think about it like that, this is just the Nixian type move where you drop a lot of cap space for something, one of that's the unknown. But if you do get Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson is the type of guy that you get towards the end of your rebuild. He is a sweetener, right? He is one of those guys that, like, if he is your third or fourth best player, really good team, right? But I don't think he's a guy that you you go through all these these mental gymnastics in the front office to go and try to figure out how you're going to pay him. Because I feel, I, you get the feeling that if you take Jalen Brunson off the Mavericks' hands, you're kind of doing him a favor, doing the Mavericks a favor, because I don't know if the Mavericks want to pay him that much. I don't think you were more locked in on that than I would be, but I just, uh, just from the surface, it doesn't seem like that's a guy you want to pay long term and just to commit to right now. He's a really, really good player, played great alongside Luca, but he is, is he the all star guy that we've always wanted to compliment Luca? I don't think he is. He's a really good role player for that team and can probably play um, you know, outside of what we think he can play on some occasions, but I don't think he is the guy that you just pair with Luca. And I think that if the Knicks get if the Knicks overpay for Jalen Brunson, they're they're giving the Mavericks an out not to pay him and they're actually doing the Mavs a favor. Interesting. They, they, that that's the perspective you look at it as like for Dallas that it could end up being a blessing in disguise. Yeah, not to it's, not to retain Brunson, you, even even like at a let's just say four years, eighty eight million dollars. Even if you get um, him for the if you get him for the right price, if the Mavericks got low him for twenty the right million, price, then yeah. do you, is that the right price? Yeah, if you can get him for the, if you can get Jalen Brunson for the right price, then yeah. But you're not. I wouldn't overpay for a guy like Jalen Brunson. Not to say that he's not a great player. I saw, I saw him in the Western Conference Finals, and you know you see him throughout the postseason. He played really well. But like again, the goal is to get an all-star piece alongside Luka. That's the goal. That's always what it's been, to get someone to pair alongside him. Is Jalen Brunson that perennial all-star? As of right now, I don't think he is. So for Dallas, you said this could set up for a big offseason. Like let's, let's say they have the ability to either sign and trade Brunson or they just outright lose them, regardless of how it happens. Well, what's kind of your vision for Dallas this summer? I think the biggest path, I think you just laid it out, is if they can get a sign and trade for um, Jalen Brunson, get some get something in return for him. Um, whether that's, I don't know if that's necessarily with the Knicks, that it might be tricky, right? Because I don't know how much they Evan would, Fournier get Fournier. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but like, <laughs> if there's a sign and trade, if there's a sign and trade for Brunson and Kyrie, then you got something going, right? Then you have, then you have, um, then you can, then you can build up some excitement. So that's the tricky part is that you have a guy. In Jalen Brunson, who already has, at least it seems that he already has a pathway to another team that he would want to go to and that is mutual interest. Um, that's the tricky part uh, that you want to get him. To, he wants to get to this certain destination. And how do you make that help? How does that help you out as a Mavericks organization? I don't know if there's, there's if the Knicks have the assets to do so. So it's a really tricky thing. It's it's tricky. And also, there's the other thing. If you if you do pay for him, and like I don't know if you could pay. I, I don't know how much they would pay, and I don't know if they would want to overpay, but say there's a chance that you do overpay. It's just a number. And so, like, maybe you could try to deal Jalen Brunson in the next few years. He, I don't know how old he is, but he's a young guy, so you can do that. But, okay. Turns 26 so, next season, so if he signs a four-year contract, he'll be 30 for the next one. Okay. So I I, I don't – I think I still go to say if the, if the Knicks want to get him, I think they'd be doing doing them a favor. To, if they overpay for him, then I think that the Knicks are doing them, doing the Mavs a favor. Still be a loss, though, for Dallas. I mean, at least in the short term. And I, I think you said it in there about even retaining Brunson for, you know, what might be an overpay. You still retain a quality player on a contract that could potentially be flipped. And that's sort of what the Knicks were hoping to do with some of the deals they signed. It's just that didn't work last year. And now they're scrambling to try to dump those. I'm just not sure space. what the Knicks are doing, man. I, I don't, I don't, I, I get the infatuation with Brunson because he's a really good player, but that's not a guy that you, you want to, he's not a guy you want to build around. He's a piece that that's a building block for sure, but he's not the, he, he doesn't elicit just this big excitement for a fan base like New York. All right, second question here is about the Spurs. I thought they had a really good draft night. They got Sohan with the ninth pick, Branham, uh, three-level scoring guard at number 20, and then Blake Wesley at number 25. Raw scorer, upside play with two backcourt players and Branham and Wesley. I think that means Lonnie Walker, who's a restricted free agent, could go. And if he does walk, 
San Antonio could open up up to $37 million in cap space, which means maybe they make a big offer sheet to a DeAndre Ayton or a Miles Bridges, or maybe they're a team that absorbs Tobias Harris in a trade to alleviate some of the salary that Philly's trying to dump and get some picks out of it. San Antonio is an interesting position here. They're trying to win with Popovich, uh, trying to make the playoffs, but they have a really young team. Uh, Logan, what direction do you think the Spurs should be going here, considering what we've seen on draft night and the amount of cap space they have entering free agency? Well, it's funny because like every time you know I see the Spurs, I'm blown away with like you know how they run their sets, how they, um, how much overall point of just how much fight that they have. Right, they don't play. Um, to what their perceived talent level is. They play harder. That's a that's a benchmark of what uh, Pop is about. The interesting thing, though, is we just don't know um, how long Pop is going to, to like steer this ship. And that's the biggest wild card. And that's the hardest thing that they have to that the Spurs have to deal with, particularly in the post Duncan, post Kawhi era, where they're trying to find stars. Now, like if they get a Tobias Harris and, or or an Aiden. Is that franchise changing? Not necessarily, but it's it's a. I'm curious to see what their rebuild is with the uh, pop conundrum on the table. And also the Dejounte Murray report from earlier in the week by Jake Fisher that they were having trade talks involving him. And with Murray, it's interesting. I mean, on Bill Simmons' pod this week, he was kind of like shocked. Why would you trade Dejounte Murray? And I get it. You know, he's 25 year 25 years old, one of the best defensive guards in all of basketball, averaged nine assists last season. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's just, he's such a good player. Yeah. Dejounte Murray is such a good player. Second and most young. improved voting. Exactly. Like, he's a really good player. Maybe even a great player. But he also only has two years left on his deal. And I think for San Antonio, everything you just said about the position that they're in, where they are, some of the uncertainty in their future, I can understand the logic for that front office to say, hey, maybe we should explore things for this clutch client that is, you know, one year away from hitting for agency in 2024. So I, I get it in that sense, getting a year ahead of it rather than possibly waiting until next summer when on an expiring deal, oftentimes a player's value can drop at that point. And again, they did just draft Wesley and Branham. Neither of those guys are points like Murray is, but they can handle they can handle the ball. So I, I just I am very curious about that aspect about it as well, because they've also had talks with John Collins. Uh, they've been into active in trade conversations. So there's a lot of ways they could go. Where do you so with the with the pop thing and all everything that you said was is right on like they are they do develop players. They they do. They have a great organization. We all all know that. But how do they how do they continue to do this when Pop is on a year to year in terms of continuity? Now, there were rumors that Quinn Snyder could, um, you know, I think Mark Stein reported that um, that Quinn Snyder could be in the running just take to take the baton pop. But like, how do you how do you build continue to build an organization when your coach just isn't you, on a year to year basis? You don't know if he's going to be there. How did they? build that i think with the spurs looking at the roster they're building young regardless of uh pop and the, the desire to get into the postseason like this is a young team Keldon johnson just finished his third year devin vassell finished his second uh trey jones getting minutes for them primo drafting one of the youngest players in the draft last year came as a shocker to a lot of people in the lottery it seems like they're building young anyway um, I think McDermott was their oldest player on the roster last year, uh, and he's he might have just turned 30. I think he just turned 30 this year, uh, which is crazy that Doug McDermott out of Creighton is now 30 years old. But, <laughs> but, but here we are with the Spurs. They have a young team, and I don't expect that to change regardless of pop. Uh, so I think with them, that's the path that they're going. We know what, what they, in a way, what the front office wants them to be. Pop obviously is helping lead them to the playoffs. Last night, I thought the Pistons, they had a great night as well in terms of building a young roster around Cade Cunningham. We know what they're trying to be. They lost cap space, though, uh, by absorbing Kemba Walker from the Knicks. And then with that pick, they got to take on Kemba. They drafted Jalen Duran, a high-flying center out of Memphis, you know, shot blocker, lob threat. And it's interesting with them because we were, you just mentioned Aiton um, as a potential maybe Spurs under the radar candidate. Uh, the Pistons were previously connected to Aiton as one of the, their top targets, but now they lose a little bit of cap space. What is 
what does draft night with what happened mean for Aiton's future? And also, what does it mean for the Phoenix Suns? Well, first of all, I just want to give a kudos to the Pistons because they seem like they have a plan, right? They seem like they have a plan of action and what they want to do, they want to build around something. And like that, that says a lot, especially in this league where you see plans shift from year to year. So kudos to the, to the Pistons. But in terms of Aiden, I don't, it's, it didn't, it's just funny because every time I think about Aiden, I think about it didn't have to be this way. It did not have to do the, it, it did not have to, to be like this. It didn't have to, um, if, if Phoenix just pays their guy, I think that a lot of things would have just fallen into place. But where does this go for uh, Aiden and the Suns? I think it's still a wait and see mode. I think there's there there I think they're in waiting to see and see if someone else want wants to to uh make a commitment to Aiden because it's clear like I remember I was talking to um to James Jones during the playoffs and it wasn't necessarily and it was one of the first times where at least personally where I saw oh they really might not want Aiden they really they really might not want to keep him on the roster. What gave you that and, impression from that conversation? I remember this is a direct quote what he said. He said, he's a free agent, so I can't talk about anything in the future. All I can say is what that what we've said, and I've said time and time again. I think DA is a really good player, and we believe in him. And our job is to grow and help him to develop, help him to continue to grow and to be the player that he expects to be, and that hasn't changed. It it was, on the surface, it didn't seem like a ringing endorsement when I heard, when I, when I talked to him. It didn't seem like a guy that, like, I juxtaposed that with, um, you know, GM Bob Myers uh, of the Golden State Warriors a couple of days ago when asked about if he wants to keep, um, you know, if he wants to keep his core together. Um, and that's a winning core with, you know, Wiggins, with Poole, with Kevon Looney. And he said, we want to keep him. We want to keep all our guys. It's going to be tough. We want to keep all our guys. I didn't get that sense from, a, from uh, James Jones, who oversees a team that, you know, no matter what you want to say about them, are in contention to go to the finals. They were this year, this year, and they were the previous year, and a lot of that has to do with Aiden, who is a huge piece. Um, and they ha- there haven't been that many ringing endorsements of Aiden from that that team. And you know, you have the reports of um, you know the game seven in the semifinals of him getting benched and why that happened. It just seems like a marriage that's on the brink of collapse, um, and it's it's hard to see that because I feel like. Uh, and maybe it would be different if the if the Phoenix Suns had a different reputation around the league, but you know, knowing knowing how they are in terms of paying people and Robert Sarver and and things like that, um, it's hard to see this marriage kind of kind of staying together. But you know, things can change. But I, I just don't. It just doesn't seem like it. Just seems too far gone for Aiden to come back. Could that be a blessing in disguise for the Suns in the same way you suggested it could be for the Mavericks with Brunson? I don't know. I think I'm more t- team Aiden because when you when you s- it depends. I'll say this: it would depend on what they get back in a deal for Aiden. So, like, if they get a good piece for Aiden, then cool. But Aiden is such a foundational piece for that team when he's on. If he's out of the equation, the team looks a little a little different. You have an aging Chris Paul who at times looked really really tired in the postseason this year. You have Devin Booker who has a lot to prove. Um, as a number one guy, and then you have Miles Bridges. You have a guy. You have these things, but you don't have a front court presence, and that's big in this league, especially when, um, when I think when teams are going small, I think Aiden can be an anecdote to that, um, with that team, and so I think it would be tough. I I think I'm I'm on the on the on the on the side of that. It'll be really really tough if you lose Aiden out in free agency, and but it depends on what you get. But I think it'll be really tough to to see him go out and walk out the door. There's still a risk for them that they lose them for nothing because the Pistons can still open up over $34 million in cap space. They can still get up to 40 if they really want to. The Spurs, we already mentioned. The Magic are at $28 million right now. They don't seem, they're not a destination for Aiton, but just noting them. Indiana at $26 million. They had talks for Aiton prior to the trade deadline, as Zach Lowe at ESPN previously reported. That was the bonus Aiton talks. Maybe a Turner Aiton type of thing. Just throwing that thought out there. 
as a potential sign and trade possibility there. And Oklahoma City has some cap space that they can use until June 30th, but that evaporates. So they're not necessarily uh, a threat to get Aiton as of now either, unless it's some type of sign and trade scenario. So the, the cap space has dried up a bit, but some of those teams are interesting. And I think for Phoenix, though, this is why there's been reports about they're looking for sign and trades because there is a chance that he just says peace out and he signs and, he, and then you have to match the offer sheet or you don't. And at that point, maybe you're overpaying him. I, so it's interesting on that, right? Because the sign and trade requires the buy-in from the player that's about to leave. Does Aiden like want to help out the Suns on the way out? Would he want to do that after, after if he what gets he's ha- to where he wants to go to? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think in that sense, uh, if he goes to the team that he wants to, it, it's going to be fascinating here, though, because with James Jones, like you read that quote from him. I talked to him in 2021 for a story I did on the Suns, and and I asked him about like a, a succession plan for Chris Paul, and he's like, "Well, the plan for after Chris Paul is more Chris Paul. We think he can age, you know, <laughs> into his 40s." And with Aiton, I talked about what's the developmental plan for him because with Aiton, he's ta- he talked to me about how he embraces and loves the role that he has and he fulfills it like he has. He has. He's done everything they've asked him to do at a high level until that weird game seven. Which, in, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't like if someone says they're not going to pay you and is like hasn't and has put you in trade talks for a whole season, it's a there's business. only. It's I, I get that it's, it's a, a business. business. We're, we're dealing with young kids, though. We're dealing with kids who don't know that. And so, like, I could see why you would do something like that is what. I'm yeah, saying. I get it. I mean, you're 23 years old, but you, you got you got it. You just got to accept it's a business. And, and in a way, I kind of respect the Suns for not just handing a max contract to a guy that they don't they don't necessarily think is a max. Their duty, the front office's duty is to win a championship. And to put this team over the top. And if they feel that giving him that money compromises compromises that ability, then I respect the decision there. Because with Aiton, I'm not convinced. Even through all this, when he's been busting his ass on the floor, you hear stories about how it's Booker constantly on his ass. It's Chris Paul constantly pushing him. You don't, you don't want to feel like you always have to push a guy every single time he's on the floor. And so I think in that sense for Phoenix, at the minimum, it makes sense for them to be exploring sign and trade possibilities. What is it? Like, is it John Collins? Is it Miles Turner? Is it getting some league minimum bigs? Bring back JaVale McGee, Bismack Biombo, sign Mo Bamba. I mean, is it some? Maybe that's what you do with the center position, and you try to flip Aiton for for wings or something like that. But I just, I just, I view the potential of Aiton leaving as an opportunity to reshape the roster. That's the way I look at it from Phoenix. So, in that sense, I'm excited to see what they do. If you get, if you, if Aiton leaves, though. And all of your points are valid. You got to get somebody that's going to continue to take the pressure off of Chris Paul, at least during the regular season, because it's it's evident that they need a third person on that team. They need a third All Star. Now, like if you Javale McGee is really really good for his role, but is he a superstar? No. Like, I do you? What is the ceiling for the Suns if Aiden isn't on the team? It depends on what else they get. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, simple as that. Depends on how they fill that gap. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Let's move on to this the next team here because I think we can tie this to Phoenix a little bit. My next question for you, Logan, is what's the best landing spot for John Collins who... You know, in Atlanta, a lot of people expected him to be traded before draft night or on draft night. That didn't happen. Uh, Chris Kirshner from The Athletics said a source close to Collins told him this week that he's, quote, done in Atlanta. And Mm. I've heard similar there. I've heard there was even, you know, outright conversation like, hey, get me out of here between the front office and his camp. 
Um, so it seems that we're heading in that direction with John Collins after a long, long, long time of trade rumors. Is Phoenix the best landing spot for John Collins? Uh, another vertical athlete who can also space the floor better than than um, than Aiton does, or is it another team that's the best uh, place for John Collins to go? I really, really like Phoenix. Um, I, I had some, I had some other names on there. I think uh, before the the Grant deal, I think I, I would have loved to see him in Portland just for um, that you know, they cool. they've always wanted a guy like that, you know a. a and I know they've always been looking uh, at Draymond and just like that was just a pipe dream that, you know, Portland <laughs> got them. But um, similar guy that can pick and roll alongside uh, Dame and hit threes. Um, and is also, like you said, that vertical uh, vertical player. Also had, um, you know, with uh, I had the Kings down too. just mm. a sneaky team for him. I don't think that that would that would ultimately work out because I Sacramento just hasn't proven that it can maximizes guys yet i know that they have mike brown on the on the staff and he's looking to change that um but i also had the timberwolves as a Mm. as a a destination um considering like and i know we're going to talk about them later so i'll 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 stash that but i but but to your point about phoenix that would be a great setup for them and also would be a great sign and trade for atlanta if atlanta can pull that off and pair aiden um with trey young i think that would be a, a great piece so I think you convinced me that Phoenix is number one KLC. I think Phoenix would be a dope destination for um for uh John Collins. And it would be a good trade for both teams. Yeah, I'd like I'd like Collins for Phoenix. Uh I, I don't love Aiton for Atlanta. <laughs> uh but, but we'll, Atlanta but we'll the city see or that. Atlanta the team? No, just, no the team. The team. Okay. I, I've I've never I've never been to Atlanta. I have no opinions on Atlanta. That never yeah, Atlanta's been great. Shout out to Atlanta. It's going to be intriguing. They they've been after bigs on the market, but they still have Clint Capella under contract. Um, they they could be on it on a Gobert type of big move, but John Collins is the guy that needs to move first with them. Any other teams? Number one top landing spots for John Collins uh, come to mind. You said you said Minnesota is one of them. I like I I I'm intrigued by Minnesota. I really want him to go to. I think maybe he's one of those guys that like similar to maybe an Andrew Wiggins or. Um, Put him down. Andre Godal is one of those guys that comes to example as an example. It's one of those guys that started their careers maybe the number two guy or number one guy that maybe just been miscast. I think I think John Collins would be a great three or four guy on a team. I think he's that good. I think he's real. I think he's good, and he could be a complement to a team if he and he doesn't. If I think he will flourish if he doesn't have to be the number two option. So I think that Minnesota would as a team that's growing and is kind of filling out their roles. Um, I think that I think I, I would I, that would be an intriguing uh, place for him in my mind. All right, fifth question here, Logan. Minnesota made a, a trade down on draft night with the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies took Laravia with the 19th pick, and then in the 20s, Minnesota took Walker Kessler and Wendell Moore, a center and a wing. And of course, in recent weeks, there's been some D'Angelo Russell trade rumors. Uh, they addressed that center spot after a lot of talk about them going after a Capella, a Gobert. You mentioned John Collins. Um, I, you know, what do you think about for Minnesota here? They kind of stabilized their depth chart with two rookies that should be able to play right away. Moore, a really good defender. Kessler, one defensive player of the year in college. What's the next big move for them? as they try to build this roster around Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and the rest of this young core? I was thinking, like, it it would have to be just... It was funny, because Tim, Coll- uh, Tim Connolly, um, you know, who runs their basketball ops, after the, after the, uh, the draft last night, gave a nice endorsement of, of D'Angelo Russell, but didn't go over the top, like, yo, he's going to be on the, on the roster. Um, and so... I think I should read the quote just to give context. D'Lo was huge to the success of this team last year. I think he's an elite passer, elite shot maker. He loves basketball. The most exciting thing about his job, this job, is getting to know the guys I've been fans for from afar. You don't want to force it. You don't want to come off as insincere or not be organic. I'm excited to get to know him. I know how important he is to the success of this team. He's a guy that is supremely talented, and it's hard to believe how young he is. He's seen everything this league could possibly throw at you, so I can't wait. Now, in a nutshell, it seems like, you know, a, an endorsement, you know, towards, you know, D'Angelo. But I just, I don't see it. There's, I think that, the, I think that they, the, 
I think that the Timberwolves got a little muddy when he was was in the in the lineup in the post, particularly in the postseason. They had success with that, but it continues to be an Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns year. So it's a, a, a team. So it seems like an odd fit for D'Angelo. So I think that might be just the next move. What do you think? Yeah, I think with them, there's probably also not a lot of interest in D'Angelo Russell. So so that that's not helping their cause there in terms of potential trade destinations. I mean, D'Lo, he's He's only got the one year left on his deal, though, at $31 million. So he is an expiring that can work against Minnesota uh, in some ways, also for them and others since he is expiring. Uh, for if teams, if team might want to unload long-term money for a short-term deal. Um, but for Minnesota, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to hang on to Russell. They don't have to. They don't have to be rushed. They don't have to rush no. right now. They're not in a position where they have to do that. They're exactly. Fine. He, he's 26 years old. He'll turn 27 middle of the next season. He averaged 18 and seven. He just had the best defensive season of his entire career. Uh, I mean, he's a he's a good player. He, he's not a great player, but he's, he's a not good a max player. player. But he got a max based off of circumstance. And totally. That's fine. I mean, yeah. he's a he's a good player, and I think for Minnesota, there's plenty of logic here. And you bring in your rookies. And you roll out a similar roster. I mean, both of the guys that they got uh, can come in and play, right? Especially Kessler, you, you'd think can come in, depending on how they view him, they might be removed from the conversation for some of those bigs that could be targeted like a Gobert or an Aiton uh, in a sign-and-trade scenario. So I, I think for them, we're at a point now that unless it's a big move, just keep D'Lo and hold on to the season because you never know what type of opportunities could pop up. They're a team that they had, they were so impressive in the postseason, man. You know, if a couple things break, they could have beaten Memphis. You know, there were at times where you just see that they were just a better team on the floor. Um, and it was one of those things where it was like, man, if they just figure it out just down the stretch, they could beat this team in five. You know, I really liked what I saw from the Timberwolves. Um, and I, I'm curious just to see what, what Edwards does next season. Just the jump that the, the next jump that he takes, knowing that, yo, man, I'm, I think I'm the number one guy. I think I can't wait to see that from his, his maturation. The one thing I'll say is this is now the second postseason. D'Lo has not been good. He wasn't good for the Nets back in 2019 in their first round loss. He wasn't great in the first round from Minnesota. And their first round loss, he shot twenty nine percent from two point range. Like that's not going to cut it. And there was one of those games where he like took a there, there was where he took a shot down the stretch. It was just it was I forget what game it was, man. You know all all they, they all, all, they all blend together. Do that. They all kind of just blend together. Yeah, this but is it, this is back in April game. It was yeah. one, it was game one to six. <laughs> there we go. It was one of those games where like he just just take uh, it's just frustrating to watch him play, but. I think he could help a team, though. Like, I think if, if there's, like, you know, the next deal, I think he'll really help a team. But it, it just seems like um, when it comes down to it in the, in the postseason, it's just kind of I don't want him taking away shots from Anthony Edwards or Towns down the stretch. Yeah, I, I feel that. And, and also with them, with D'Lo, it, the potential opportunities that aren't there today could be during the season. So retaining him makes some sense. And, and I think about that in the context of Rudy Gobert, because even though they draft Walker Kessler, that fits the mold of what they want next to Towns in their front court. Uh, there's no guarantee that your rookie that you draft and have high hopes for will be super impactful, especially early in their career. So now with, you know, we talked about Detroit earlier. They draft Duran. Maybe that takes them out of the eight and sweepstakes. Uh, Minnesota, they draft Walker Kessler. They they might be out on Gobert or Capella or even Aiton for now in any type of sign-and-trade scenario. That removes a team for Aiton. However, one team that didn't add a big, they drafted Dalen Terry with their first-round pick. A wing slash guard can handle the ball. And Dalen Terry, the Bulls got him. A lot of people thought they might draft a big at that spot. They did not. They remain a team that could be of interest for Rudy Gobert. Considering Utah's position, considering they are open to Rudy Gobert trade offers, should the Bulls go all in for Rudy Gobert, Logan? I don't think it's going to make a difference. I mean, yeah, probably they should just to, just to be as a net positive, but I think the Bulls are who, who they are. Like I think that they're going to um, if they get, say in the scenario that they do go get Rudy Gobert, 
Does that put them in the in the finals discussion? Probably, but like on the fringe of it. And I don't think that they're. I think they're going to be exactly what they were last season. You know, you have another year of Demar Derozan, who's really good, had a really good season last year. But the Bulls trailed off towards the end of the season because their defense, though, their defense fell off. Logan, that's where Gobert helps. Yeah, we see what what is. I, I'm not as high on Gobert as you are. If you listen to the real ones, I'm I'm just not like even okay. Plays really great defensively during the regular season, right? And during the postseason, what exactly happens? He gets trapped in pick and rolls, and what? Ha- and he gets in the bolt. The Jazz get clobbered. He's never played with backline defenders like Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball. And if they didn't have to give up Patrick Williams in a deal, having him out there too. Never so mind you, adding Dalen Terry. What do you think, do you think is going to happen when? What do you think is going to happen to the Bulls if Gobert goes on the team? What what what, what is they're, going? They're going to have a, a top defense in the NBA during the regular season, and then during the playoffs, it's it, they're going to have the ability to still switch, which you need to in the postseason. They're going to have more lineup flexibility. That that's what I think. Because if you have a healthy Lonzo, which is a big question, he has that knee issue right now. If you got Lonzo Caruso, maybe you still got Pat Williams. Maybe Dalen Terry is one of those rookies who's contributing early because he's already good defensively. Maybe they make one other move at the deadline to add another wing forward type. They're going to have a better overall defense than what the Jazz have had around Gobert. What Utah built around Gobert is it's a, it's about him, and he cleans up everything, all the all the penetration, everything. But when he's pulled out, nobody else could clean it up around the rim. I think I think Chicago would have enough others who can. The overall goal, though, right, was you have this a, the Chicago's a veteran team, Levine and, and, and DeRozan and all these guys who want to win a title, who are, or, or at, that, at that time in their career where they're like, yo, we got to, they only have a finite amount of time to win a title. Does Gobert put them in that conversation or does they, are they just a better defense that loses in the second round of the postseason? I mean, I, I think I think you you to even be in the conversation, their defense needs to be better. Like they're not getting through Giannis in the Bucks with Nikola Vucevic. All due respect to Vuce. Solid player. He does what he does on offense. Very important on on the offensive end, but he's not more than a fine defensive player. So I, I think for Chicago, you upgrade for the potential team that you have to get through in the Eastern Conference, even against Boston, Horford, Time Lord their front court, Philly with Embiid, and so on, you're going to have to have size, and that's where Gobert helps you there. And I, I think with them, for Rudy Gobert, some of the offensive limitations, like we saw the Clippers switch screens, have like little guys defending Gobert, and he can't do anything about it posting up. Two things. The Utah Jazz could have done a better job getting him the ball in a lot of those scenarios. We know the play from the postseason this year with Donovan Mitchell. Had, like It was, I think, Gobert just sealing off at a defender right underneath the rim, and everybody ignores him. It's just whack. Sometimes how that can happen. Yeah, and it's crazy because like the Jazz just—I don't care what they say. I'm just looking at body language. You could tell that they just out on Gobert. Yeah, and that, oh, yeah. like, and I think, I think more than anything for this trade, and you know, I hope it does. I hope it would happen. You know, just trade him out of Utah because I think a fresh start will be great for everyone involved, including Gobert. I think it would be amazing for Gobert. It, and that's the second thing. You know, like it'll be good for Gobert, right? I think offensively it could be good for Gobert too because let's just be real. DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are better than Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. It's the, those two are better than anything the Jazz have had on offense in Rudy Gobert's entire career in terms of isolation, end clock, scoring ability. And so in that sense, I think even if teams are switching against Gobert and even if the Bulls are ignoring him for some of his lower efficiency post-offs underneath the, paint, underneath the rim, you have DeMar DeRozan and you hopefully bring back Zach Levine, which it seems like they will be. I just view that as a far more complete team with top-end wing defenders, top-end scorers, the best defensive interior player in basketball and Rudy Gobert. Like That feels like a, a maybe not a, a favorite in the Eastern Conference, like you said, but they feel a lot closer to a serious contender than they do prior to getting Rudy Gobert to me. I think that it will... I think if they do trade for Rudy Gobert, I think the Bulls are going to be like the sexy team going into the to this season, and I think that it's just going to end in the second round loss, just like how it normally does. I think I think it's I think it's going to be like a carbon copy of next year. I could be wrong, and I'm sure like a lot of people will remind me that I'm wrong, but I just think that that's what's going to happen. And honestly, that just speaks to how hard it is to win in this league at a high level. So it's no no shade to the Bulls or Rudy Gobert, but I don't know if that's I don't my thing is I think my vision is just them 
what is a move that's going to bring them over the top in title contention? And I just, I think in a vacuum, I just don't think Rui Gobert is that. And I think that that might be, that might just be me, just like the way I look at it and how that being wrong. But I just don't see it putting them into the title discussion. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assists. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This morning on the ringer.com, a lot of our staffers, including you, wrote about the winners and losers of the 2022 NBA drafts. You had a blurb in there about the Brooklyn Nets situation. Logan, what's going to happen for Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving? Um, I think it's going to end with, um, this is, I think this is going to end with Kyrie just leaving, man. And peace and out, signing elsewhere or sign and trade? Um, it depends on like ultimately where he wants to go. I don't. I don't think that they. I think we're at the list stage of where he would go. It, I think it depends on the destination. Um, but I think that it's funny because I went out there in, in March and you could see kind of this the seeds of of just um, it just wasn't good, man. Just, it doesn't. It didn't. It didn't seem like. Um, just a a functioning in, environment. Like it looks like a it. it it didn't seem like, you know, this was a team with a plan. It seemed like a team that was whose plan all kind of went to shit. And I think that's the story of this um, franchise. And, you know, you have the reports that um, Kyrie is, is looking elsewhere. Um, you know, that made some calls. Kevin Durant hasn't, you know, has, has not talked to the team in weeks, you know. Um, and I don't think he's confident in the, I don't think Kevin is confident in the front office right now um and i don't know if he's at the stage of leaving but there's a big uneasiness from not only the Kyrie side but the KD side as well where does that lack of trust with the front office stem from so it depends like it depends on who you ask right i think that um kevin is one of those guys that one of those superstars now he not to say he won't get on a call and recruit and things like that like like some of the other guys, like maybe a LeBron and and um, I guess you could LeBron is like the 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 person and the model for this, right? He is one of those guys that is like, or at least right now, he's one of those guys that won't doesn't want to recruit, isn't in the position to recruit, or doesn't feel like he's in the position to recruit, whether you like that or not. But I think his biggest beef is, um, maybe the, I, I think that he didn't feel like. Um, the the front office grew to try to understand Kyrie or whatever that means, and I, I you know I would push back on that saying, hey, you know, like when a guy leaves, um, you know, for two weeks at a time, or there's there's things that Ky- Kyrie earns the lion's share of the blame, but I think that Kevin feels like, hey, man, like you guys didn't try to understand this guy, you guys didn't try to, um, you know, figure out where he was coming from, and um. There's another thing that happened, KOC. The um the Nets let go of Adam Harrington, who was really close with Kevin and his staff, and it, it he's one of Kevin's guys, and that really had a be- a big ripple effect on just how Kevin feels about this right now. So he is still in um just kind of figuring it out mode, but. Where there is there is some um, fire to that smoke that you know he's kind of reevaluating where he stands with this, and um, it's going to be an interesting. I think at the top of the um, the top of the pod, you actually might have the biggest offseason. I think it's the Nets are going to look 
or have the chance to look a lot different come um, opening night next year. You wrote on the ringer, it's hard not to feel for Durant. Harden, with whom he worked hard to reconcile after the two-stop talking a few years back, deemed the Nets an untenable environment. And Irving, who said he wanted to play with Durant at 50, might be days away from departing. Durant left the Bay to be with his homies, win titles, enjoy a new start. Now that vision is on the verge of crumbling. Was Harden right to bounce? Uh, yeah, I probably, like, based on what he thought, because, I mean, no matter what you think about Harden as a thing, but if you look in, if you look at what transpired before that, and you look at it through Harden's eyes, he's like, hey, man, I came here, we were going to win a title, we were going to do all these things, and a lot of that had to do with Kyrie being um, on the roster. Now that he's not even playing, and based on, he's not playing because of things that he could control, it's too untenable for me, man. Like, I I can't, I, I don't want to deal with this. And that was, so from that vantage point, yeah, he was, he was, he was right to bounce because the situation wasn't what he thought it was going to be. So with KD, he signs off on moving Harden because Harden shows up to camp out of shape. You know, it feels like the best thing for the direction of the organization. Is there any logic to Kevin Durant saying goodbye to Kyrie Irving in this situation? Could it be for his best interest in Brooklyn for Kyrie to go? I think Kevin is using the same approach that he used when, if you look at, I, I wrote about this um, in a piece that I wrote for Kevin a few months back, where when um, James Harden left, um, Kevin was just like, that's what he did. And I can't fault him for that decision because I made a decision to leave in free agency and I, and I can't fault somebody for doing something that I would do. I think he's making... Um, the same he has the same attitude towards Kyrie um where it's like i th- from what i've heard they're still pretty close and i think that i think that i think that kevin blames the front office for not handling it as well as they could have by sending um, him away from blaming, the team yeah instead of blaming instead of blaming Kyrie himself i think that that's where we are right now. Um, I think that he's still in a lot of ways on Kyrie's side more than he is on the front office's side um, in this one. And and I got to sometimes push back on this because like Kevin chose to come to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie. He yes. was, has his influences, his influence on this organization looms so large, right? If he can get like, it's hard for me to hear you know, oh man, the organization, this, this, and that one, like pretty much the team of la- of the last two years to start the organization, to start the season were built in Kevin's vision. So it's, it's hard to kind of like, you know, wash your hands of it, but those are, how, that's just kind of how he feels is that, Hey man, like I brought this guy in him and Kyrie, um, and the front office didn't do enough to support him in a time when they, we kind of needed to support him. It's an unfortunate situation there. It is. It's good for good for drama, but unfortunate for the Nets that it reached this point. Just in all ways, man. It's it didn't have and it's crazy. You always think like it just didn't have to be this way, you know. This team and it's ironic because Kevin came to kind of reconcile relationships and also like build relationships with his BFFs and it just it's not mm-hmm. working out. It's it's doing the exact opposite. And you juxtapose that with Golden State winning <laughs> um, the team that he just left winning a title without him. Now, you know, you you hear him say, like, you know, I'm not tripping like good for them. I have a lot of friends in that organization. I'm really happy for them. Um, but that's just hard to see on a on a on a, a whole bunch of level, like just an outsider's perspective. You see him going to another place and it doesn't work out for him. And it actually it's the quite opposite. It, it's destruction. So it's it's just tough to see this. All right, so he's in a position now. He's entering the first year of his new contract extension. He could give a list if he wants to. He can say, I want to go to this team or that team. Ultimately, the Nets are the team that have a lot of leverage here. They do with Irving to an extent, and they definitely do with Kevin Durant. Any team in the NBA could step up and try to make the the quote-unquote best offer that Brooklyn could accept. Which team or teams do you think are should be the most aggressive in pursuing a Kevin Durant trade, if it comes to that point. You mean other than the entire league? 
I mean, let's say, well, maybe it <laughs> oh. is the entirely. Maybe it's 29 teams. Which team Which team do you think should be? The, I mean, like, do you think Oklahoma City should be? Um, no, I, Orlando, I so, not, so not the whole I, league. I, I don't think, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, you know what, it would be fun to see him play. I would just, I would love to see him play in like Miami. I don't know how they, I, like Miami just take one last swing and just go try to go get him. Right. And just um, and I would like to see him in, in that type of environment. That would be cool. I would say Miami would be a fun team. How about Phoenix? Just to throw out a team that we we talked about earlier. A DeAndre Ayton sign and trade, you know, with a salary. And then you can maybe throw in all your future picks. Maybe you oh, even man. give a- That would be phenomenal because it would put them back in the division against Golden State. That would be <sighs> great. Yes. Let's do that. Let's figure that out. Let's do that. You talk about drama. Let's do it. I Memphis- would. Be, I would. Memphis, that'd be fun. I mentioned that that'd to Bill be Simmons fun. earlier in the week. Kind of a, uh, you know, that uh, would be fun to have KD on Memphis. That would be cool. Also, like he, you know, rocks with Memphis hip hop, so that'd be tight. Mm-hmm. That would be, and then like just that, that would be like the valid. It would be the validation of how great Memphis, the great thing that Memphis has cooking right now. Where do you think he would want to go if he could choose any of the other twenty nine teams? Um, that's tough, man, because. He really loves, like, I think he really loves Brooklyn and the idea of living in, living out in New York. I think, I think he's where he ultimately wants to be and where he wanted to be. I think just the situation messed that up. I don't know. You know what would be great? San Antonio. Hmm. That would be a really fun thing to see if, like, he went to San Antonio and just played under that system and just be, because ultimately, and this goes back to the point of, you know, him not being, does it, him not feeling like it's his job to recruit people. Um, he really just wants to be a basketball player. Like he, he just happens to be really way better than like 98.9% of the league, you know, but he just wants to be a basketball player that just plays basketball. So if he played in San Antonio, he can just be just that, you know, and like let the front office put pieces around him and things like that. I would say San Antonio would be a fun. I think that would be my like that would be the one where I would be like, oh yeah, that would be cool. That'd be a perfect fit. Did you pull ninety eight point nine percent out of nowhere, or is that like a particular ranking to say he's like the fifth best player in basketball? Yeah, I think that that was like the fifth <laughs> you, best player in basketball. You, you, yeah, you, yeah. you did the math in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really smart, Logan. Uh, are yeah. you going to summer league? I'm going to summer league. Okay. I'll be there for uh, me. Are you going to summer league? Yeah, I'll be there early in the uh in the dates for it. I don't know the exact date, seventh to the eleventh or twelfth, something like that. We gotta get Not dinner. Sure exactly. Get yeah, dinner, we will bud. we will for sure. No doubt um, about it, man. I'll be there around that timeline too. So I, I'll, oh, yeah, I'll man. see everybody in Vegas. I'll I'll see you guys there. Logan, thank you for joining the void today, man. Man, thanks for having me, man. Follow the void. Solo Dolo part three. It's better yes, than sir. part one. <laughs> thank you, Logan. <laughs> Thank you again to Logan Murdoch for joining The Void. Thank you to Jesse Lopez for producing this week's episode. And thanks to you for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hold up. 